Hey, welcome to the Unchurched Podcast, where your hosts, Michael and Sean, discuss issues of church, life, and religion. No subject is off limits, and our honesty and humor drives our discussion. We welcome you to sit in on the conversation and laugh with us as we challenge serious things. So pour your drink, kick your feet up, and let's get started with the show. Sean Dizzle. Mikey Hizzle. Yeah. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. So, uh, happy recording day. Happy recording day. Mm. Well, it's good. Well, I'd like to say the weather, but it's kind of all over the place. Because at night, it'll drop down to like mid-50s to low-60s. But then, like, it'll be 80-something, 90-something, you know, come high noon. Mm. And then leaves are already starting to die and fall. So it's like... It's like the season doesn't know what's going on, but the earth is like, come on, bitch. It's supposed to be fall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I guess we missed that announcement, so happy fall, everybody. Happy autumn. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, we are officially in it. Uh, I've been enjoying it like crazy because uh, uh, my entire, well, not the entire, but... A few days out of my paternity leave, I've been in my wood shop in the garage building a bunch of stuff, and um, I've been throwing them on my Instagram, and so uh, you can check it out there, but I've built uh, a few end tables and built another table for my mom just recently, and and today actually I started building some uh, little step stools, you know. Because uh, I'm thinking about Max as he gets a little bit bigger, he's gonna want to brush his own teeth, and it'll be cool for him to step on a step stool that I created so that he can brush his teeth. For sure, I thought that was pretty cool. And then too, it can double as a uh, a lift for your feet uh, for a uh, potty squatty, squatty potty. There you go. <laughs> You know, put your feet up there. You know, they say that we we all poop wrong because our toilet seats are too high. You know, they need to be lower so that your knees are higher. And you kind of like create this V shape for your bowels that, you know, help you poop a little bit more efficiently. Slide right on out. <laughs> you know, the first time I heard that was actually, I want to say this year. Really, and it was actually our last interview, Melissa. Mm-hmm. She was telling us about it, and I was like, "What? You're crazy!" Mm-hmm. And then I think I asked some people, and they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Like, oh yeah, I've, I've used it." And it's like, "Huh? <laughs> squatty potty? <laughs> yeah, squatty potty, <laughs> or potty squatty, or whatever." Well, one of those. I don't know. One or the other. Um, and so, you know, I, I've been looking at Pinterest like crazy. Don't judge me. Um, but people are creating these, you know, wood projects and they're banging them out on, on Etsy and Pinterest and stuff like that for 100 bucks a piece. Like, I think yeah, I've why, seen bro? these. 
I know, right? So <laughs> I'm seeing these uh, these squatty potty thingies uh, going for $35, $45 a piece. They're just painting them different colors and shit like that. And I'm like, dude, I can do that too. So I made two of them today. And I told Jenna to go ahead and put them online for 40 bucks a piece. There you and go. We'll see if we got any takers. Hell, I'll even take 30 bucks a piece. I mean, it took me, I don't know, two hours, maybe three to create two of them. So. Dude, you just like. Dude, I can like what? internet issues again. My internet blows. <laughs> you can totally do like a, a not so legal thing, but you could paint them like maize and blue, do a little M on there. Sure. Do Michigan State, you know, dress them up a little, maybe charge 10 or 15 more bucks. I'm sure people would buy them, clear coat them. Sure. I mean, if you're I, trying uh, to, like, start a thing, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That, and that's all I'm trying to do. Just, you know, I actually what I'm doing is that I want to save up the money from selling a bunch of projects so that I can go ahead and buy the Weber Smoky Mountain that I want. So <laughs> it's so selfish. <laughs> but <laughs> there's this Weber Smoky Mountain. It's a it's a it's a smoker and uh it's got a 22 inch it's 22 inches around and it's big enough to put you know a couple racks of ribs on there that's what he said so uh i've been lusting after this for so long now and finally i'm like you know what i really don't feel good about dropping four hundred dollars out of our savings or out of our checking account you know i really don't want to do that um but i am serious about getting one so i'm like okay i'll I'll just put an envelope you know in the drawer and and just you know the little cash that we get from selling these wood projects i'll just put it all towards the weber smoky mountain there you go so let the wood pay for the smoker that i want Hey yo, <laughs> that's a good idea. And yeah. dude, I'm sure you'll, I'm sure you'll make some moolah. Yeah, yeah, no I doubt. Mean, I don't know how much the grill is or how much output you're going to be doing with this wood side hustle, but I would seem to think if you put a little effort into it, you could probably make make what you need fairly quickly. Well, yeah, for sure. Um, you know the the coffee table that I made last year or two years ago now. I I got the plans off of Pinterest and then I just kind of like modified the the sizes so that I could so that it would fit in our den. Um, people are selling those for three hundred four hundred dollars a piece, and it's I'm like shit, man. I I could I can make the money real quick just by building another coffee table. Yeah. So, but, you know, I, I'm having fun doing all these small little projects. So do an end table here, do a coffee table there, you know, this, uh, squatty potty here and there. I don't care. You know, I just like being outside since it's so nice. And, um, 
you know, sit in my garage doing this work. I can smoke as many cigars as I want. <laughs> I can drink whatever I want. And I'm saving a shit ton of money not going to the bar. So. Well, show. Yeah, that's the way I see it, at least. Man, I almost started up a fire the other night because it was like a nice 60 degrees out, a little slight breeze. Balmy. Yeah. But we are under a no burn order right now, so. Why? Um, It's pretty dry, man. We haven't really had a lot of rain as of late. Huh. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. But well, it's been also been up and on here, man. pretty windy, so I don't like doing a fire when it's windy. Well, yeah, that's the last thing you need, right? You got to <laughs> close enough to your house. <laughs> you get an ember or something like that, hit the roof, you're in trouble. So Not I on our that. roof. We have a metal roof. Oh, lucky you. I don't think I noticed that when I was there. You didn't really? because we have a massive tree which you remember, in yeah. our front yard, and it pretty much covered a lot of the uh, view of the roof and some of the house, honestly. But we just recently had it trimmed. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy because I'm like, oh, wow, I can see the house. <laughs> yeah, you know, I saw those pictures on Facebook that Brooklyn posted, and I don't know, I had a hard time telling what got cut so oh really i I just yeah i just don't remember well i don't think she was she didn't have a before picture that probably would have helped okay yeah yeah nice job brooklyn you didn't do a before picture so we don't have the context well (laughs) to defend my lovely wife she was at work and i didn't even think to do pictures because i'm just like cut Uh the fucking tree you know sure Sure. Yeah. But yeah, it's That's a big good. difference, man. I'll tell you that. Hmm. Is it less bugs? No. <laughs> no. Uh, you couldn't be that lucky, right? Yeah, not that lucky at all. It's uh, kind of like the Amazon where I live, man. I guess so. It's crazy. It is. Although I'm pretty so, sure all the cicadas are dead. Finally. Hmm. They were dropping like flies out of the tree. That's gross. That's just, yeah, to have to clean that up is sick. Well, I don't really have to worry about cleaning it up because Hans usually runs out and eats them. And I'm like, no, (laughs) by the time I freaking get to his mouth, he's already like, it's gone. Oh, yeah. You said you were going to be right back. I said, yeah, I'm about to go record. Oh. So I'm waiting for you to, because I would like to eat dinner. I haven't eaten dinner. Then I'll hold him. Okay. He'll stay asleep. He needs to he finished a little bit. Okay. But. <laughs> Maximus. Dang, dude. Maximus has been on this podcast, I think, since he's been born. Thank you. That's perfect. Okay. I'll be right back. I just want to eat something. No, go ahead. Eat. So... There you have it. I told my wife I'll be right back and said, I'm going to go record. (laughs) And uh, she didn't hear the I'm going to go report record part. She just heard I'll be right back. And she's a little hungry. So 
I guess uh, me and Max are going to do this podcast while she eats. Which is fine because he's sleeping, but he just ate himself. That could be taken weird. He's so cute. <laughs> God, you're cute. You can hear his little coos. Maximus. <laughs> so, um, so while we were in the hospital, just side note, they needed to get this blood chart. I don't know if we got any medical professionals out there listening. You know what I'm talking about, but uh, state of Michigan wants uh, this basic blood panel before they let you leave the hospital. And the problem with that is that he was circumcised in the hospital. And of course, they have to give you a vitamin K shot to make you clot. Well, the vitamin K shot was working really, really good because they had to poke him twice just to get, you know, enough blood to to cover the panel because he just kept clotting up. Hmm. So um, today we're we're at home and the doctor calls, pediatrician calls and says, hey, we didn't get enough blood on that panel. So we need you to come back in and do it again. And I'm like, well. God bless you because I ain't going. I'm not doing it. Like in the hospital, I hate needles. Number one, <laughs> yeah. You know, two. You know, in the hospital while she was resting, they came in to take this blood panel. So I held him down and and helped do it. And they had to poke him twice. And it's like you know, it's it's one of those little. It's like a little box with a needle inside. So they heat up the heel, the heel of his foot uh, with this little bag. They heat him up just to get the blood flowing. And then they put this box right up to it, push the button, and it just snap. Pops a needle, pricks him, he starts bleeding. And I'm sitting there bracing myself for the <laughs> snap, you know. Um, so... It was quite traumatic for me because I hate needles and then quite traumatic for him because he's just exhausted from all the screaming. And so, um, so yeah. Well, here's a question and I'm not a doctor, but I feel like I have some common sense in between my ears, but, um, don't you think by 2019 they know, Hey, we're going to circumcise the baby. When we do that, we have to give him this thing. That's going to make him clot. Why don't we take the blood before that? <laughs> Just seems uh, like common sense. I'm sure there's... I'm not trying to knock medical professions or, like, doctors and all their degrees and shit. Because I don't have any of that, and I'm a pretty stupid individual. But... Just kind of seems like, you know, maybe they kind of think that through a little more <laughs> well the the problem the problem with uh that premise is that um uh, if he starts bleeding he won't stop he'll just bleed out because believe it or not god actually was smart when he designed the human body and gave the commandment that every male should be circumcised after the eighth day because it takes eight days for the body to be able to uh, 
produce vitamin K on its own without any assistance. So imagine a baby, you know, basically a week old, a week's worth of nursing every day, every couple hours, every single day, getting all the nutrients and vitamins from the mother. It takes eight days before there's enough, or at least it takes a week before there's enough vitamin K from the mom to supplement the baby to where the baby starts producing it on its own. Just a little, just a little biblical fun fact right there. (laughs) There was a reason for just about every, well, there was a reason for every single commandment that God gave. Um, That particular commandment definitely had a a good reason to preserve life. Because even a single cut on a baby that doesn't have vitamin K in their system will just bleed out. Interesting. So, So, yeah, like I said, I'm an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) So, imagine getting circumcised on the first day and not having, you know, a vitamin K shot. You're just going to bleed out of your dick the whole day. Until you go, and that sucks. So, that's a bad way to go. You know, it's a real bad way to go. But he's content. He's sleeping. I can't complain. Let her eat, and I still got to eat dinner, too. So (laughs) once we're done, I'm going to go upstairs and eat some corned beef. You know. There you go. Nice. So I had this thought. I've been thinking a lot about random things, and... I kind of wanted to run it by you and Shoot. see what you had to say. And it might be kind of just like dumb and like stupid, but fuck it. <clears throat> so <laughs> I was thinking the other day about like myself and, you know, like stuff that's happened over the past and decisions that I've made and where that's brought me and like. I don't know why, but I kind of started thinking about like, uh, like kind of in a nutshell, just a, for instance, like I have some anger issues, right? Mm-hmm. And I usually always, well, up to this point, I've always been able to keep them in check and not just go a wall on someone, but you know, even with like A-wall. some T- pause, <laughs> A wall, absent without leave. Yeah, fucking crazy. <laughs> All right, keep going. So you know, I would just like a little for instance here, like scenario. So run with me, but like work Funny. at a coffee shop, couple times a week, and you know, I deal with general public, customer service, blah blah blah. People are stupid. I'm stupid too, whatever. But sometimes, you know, like, they'll say the dumbest shit, or they'll be super, super rude, and it's just like, you can go eat a fucking dick right now. You know what I mean? But you can't, Yeah. 
Like, you, you don't say that. You don't, you know, you don't say whatever rude things that come into your head when people are being rude to you because you have a job to do, and you work in customer service, and that's part of it. And if you want to keep your job, you know, you just, yep, you're right. I'll get you what you need. Blah, 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 right? Sure. So there's a lot of, like, pride swallowing, and then you go and you, like, talk about it later or whatever. <clears throat> but I was just thinking, like, I, like even in not just myself, but as a society, like, why, why is it that way? And I know, obviously, the knee-jerk is, well, because you want the customers to come back. Regardless if they're nice or not nice, you want them to come back so that you make money. I get that. But take all that away, just how people interact. It's kind of funny, like, to me to think about because, <clears throat> excuse me, what if you just, why did I say excuse me? I have no idea. That was quite lame of you. I need yeah. you to burp again so that you can take it back. I will in a Do second. over. All right. So anyway, what would happen if, like, you just went off on somebody? Like, so, here's a scenario. So I'm working at the coffee shop. Someone comes up right off the bat. They're on their phone. They're being rude. They're not even looking at me. They're not paying attention to what they're doing. I'm trying to be like, so did you want this or did you want that? Because I want to make sure I get it right. And they're just like, oh, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And then you give them their food. First off, you're already like, fuck you. You're an asshole. Like, what is so important that you, like, came in here and can't get off your phone? Like, if you can't get off your phone, don't come in here right now. <laughs> That's an easy solution. But yeah. if you're just going to be a dick and be rude, like, something's going to happen. Because you're not paying attention. And it's not going to be my fault. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to get too deep in the details. My, my point that I want to get to is like, so, you know, let's say said person does that, and then you bring it out to them, and they're like, this isn't what I wanted, this is not what I ordered, and they're just like a douche about it, right? Sure. Like, what would happen if you're just like, listen, you piece of shit, you're the fucking asshole who came in here on their phone, half-ordered, because you're not even paying attention to the questions I'm asking, so then get your order right. Then I bring it to you, and you fucking say it's wrong, and it's my problem? You're the problem. So you can fucking shove it. This is what you ordered. This is what you got. If you're not okay with that, it's your fucking problem. Have a great fucking day. Like, we don't do that. And I want to say we can't do that. But what if we did do that? Like, what if that's how we all interacted with each other? It was just super real. You know what I mean? And then I was thinking, like, because I always go to, to extremes. <clears throat> so, like, what if, you know, something happened or whatever, and, like, I just start throwing shit, and I curse this person out, and I'm just like, fuck this, fuck all you people, I'm fucking gone, and I'm, I'm just leaving. Like, I don't want to do that. I would never do that. But, like, what would happen? Like, life would still keep going. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, life the, would the definitely people, keep going. The people that I work for, they'd be pissed. They'd be upset. They would definitely not want me to work there anymore. And then they would be left in 
having to clean up the mess that I've made of being a complete asshole to this person, whether they deserved it or not, they'd have to make it better and apologize and give them a free something or, you know, whatever it is. Like, life would just keep going, you know? So, like, if I did this extreme thing, life would keep going because it has to, right? And then I started thinking about, like, you know, when shit happens in life, like, what, like, it's almost kind of like a, well, I can't do that because that's, you know, that'll put me in a place where I don't know how things will work out. And then there's this, like, fear that kind of sets in, right? And that's the actual thing that I want to get to right there is, like, our fear of consequences or of failing or of, uh, I don't know, whatever, right? Like, it, it, it can stop and hinder us from actually doing things, right? And some things are good, some things are bad. Or maybe not bad, but just not beneficial, right? But, like, so... I did like that dumb little scenario, but like take it into big things. Like for me, the miscarriage, right? When we went through our miscarriage story, I mean, you really have three options. I, the way I see it in my fucked up brain, you either commit suicide because you don't want to deal with it and you're just fucking over it. You become a bum and you just say, fuck it. Like, I don't know what to do. I just want to turn to drugs or booze or sleeping all day. And then you lose all your money. You get kicked out. Your spouse leaves you and you find yourself homeless under a fucking bridge trying to beg for shit just because you've lost all hope and you don't care. Right. Yeah. Or the third option, which is the main option for probably 70 or I don't know percentage wise, but a lot of us, <laughs> this is what we do. We figure it out. You know what I'm saying? Like we move on. Like we, we, f we figure out what moving on looks like, but why? And it's because it's like life does not stop. Like it never stops. So no matter what you do or how you react or the, the decisions that you make, like, in the end, things are just going to be okay. Uh, that's kind of where I'm leaning towards these days, you know? Which is kind of hippie and myth mythical and like, ugh. But, like, I think it's true, man. Because you can't, like, there's no other option. Like, you have to be okay. Because you're going to have to work things out. You're going to have to make things happen. Unless you take the other two routes, which is end it all. Or just give up and fucking live on the street and hope that someone gives you something. What do you think about all that? <laughs> um, and it's probably it's probably jumbled and weird because that's who no, I am and super no, but extreme. It. But it is extreme, but it's okay. I'm used to extreme, extreme thought processes. Um, so as you're talking, the, the one scripture that comes to mind is 1 Corinthians 10.23. It says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. That word expedient means beneficial, roughly translated. 
And then it continues. It says, all things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. But all things edify not. In other words, um, yeah, I can go ahead and do something and go off on the guy or respond in a very aggressive way that gets my point across. And it's okay. It's lawful for me to respond that way, right? There's no law against it. There's no law against me cussing the guy out because he was a dipshit and then, you know, in turn treats you inappropriately. You can respond in the way that you feel and there won't necessarily you won't be breaking any laws. You wouldn't get in trouble with the police for, you know, telling a guy to go eat a dick and go home and fix his own fucking coffee like that. You know, (laughs) however aggressively you say it nobody I mean you might lose your job but um, you're not going to go to jail for it it's not unlawful but according to the last part of the verse it also doesn't edify (laughs) it doesn't build anybody up it doesn't uh, it doesn't show the grace toward a person to be able to help them to change and so I guess my take on it is is very simply <clears throat> when it comes down to our reactions to people that are idiots, we typically tend to ignore the fact that there is a ripple effect to our actions. And not everything is going to be unlawful. Not everything is going to be, you know, necessarily getting us in trouble at the moment. But the ripple effect is what we typically don't consider when we lash out in our emotions because of some shit that's happening to us. Um, And some of those ripple effects could be uh, hidden things that we don't think about, especially if uh, I think about it because of my my counseling background. I think about the fact that I think about the fact that when I fly off the handle and I just let loose. It's almost like a, a pressure cooker, right? You can take so much pressure, right? You can either choose to release the pressure slowly before you take the lid off of the pressure cooker. That would be the safest thing to do. Or you can just take the lid off and what you're going to have in is, is an explosion. Now, it's up to you. It's your choice. You want to release it slowly in a healthy way or explode. Either way, you might have some cleanup to do. You release your, your, your emotions slowly. You might still have some cleanup. You might still have some fallout from that. But it would be a lot less messy than if there's an explosion because you just let the lid come off. And all of the pressure releases at one time. Sure. So the ripple effect is, at least from my perspective as a counselor, the ripple effect is that when you take the lid off and you just explode, you end up having to clean it up, but it becomes easier the next time to just take the lid off and let the explosion happen. And every time you let that happen, it becomes easier and easier and easier for you to explode and clean it up afterwards. 
that's a hidden side effect of that mentality that people just don't think about. And then the fact is, is that the thing that you practice is the thing that you get good at. The, the thing that you exercise is the thing that you get stronger at. So you have people that are experts at cutting people's heads off. You have people that are experts in cutting you real deep. And they do it without even they do it without even being loud or they can cut you deep without even swearing at you. That that is an indication of a person who has taken the lid off and exploded so many times. And the only thing they've actually worked on is behavior modification and not a heart change. And so they learn how to keep themselves from yelling, but they still are just as nasty with a lower tone of voice and do just as much damage as an explosion because they've just gotten good at it. So in my estimation, I would say that the thing to practice would be the slow release of the of the pressure, which teaches us patience with people and teaches us how to give grace to people when they don't deserve it, right? That's the definition of grace, right? Giving people something that they don't deserve. And it's the same thing that that God did for us through Jesus Christ. And that us in our worst state possible, he gave his life for us, which allowed us to be able to take that example and practice showing that same amount of love to other people. That's a slow release of the pressure. It doesn't mean that the pressure is not going to be there. And it doesn't mean that the anger and the frustration and the, the muck and nastiness that we feel on the inside isn't going to be there. It'll still be there. But we learn to temper ourselves and, um, and respond in a little bit more of a delicate way, especially with people that we don't know. You know, I would argue that it's much easier to give people that we don't know the courtesy of a slow release than it is with people that we do know and that we're in relationship with. We typically tend as human nature to hurt the people that are closest to us. But the thing is, is that if you practice that explosion in public, you're going to bring that home and you're going to explode like that at home too. eventually if you keep practicing it. Sure. So the, the ripple effect is an unhealthy behavior that over time you get better and better at acting out. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's something that I'm always afraid of, you know, so uh, I'm I'm the guy that tries to practice that slow release on a regular basis outside of the home and inside of the home. And it takes a whole lot of work um, to, to get to that place where you, you just, you know, let sleeping dogs lie and deal with it the way that you can in, a, in the healthiest way that you can. All that being said, I agree with you. There is probably nothing more fun than putting somebody in their place. Well, that's only kind of part of my point, but I totally agree with you. I think the other, uh, the other thing I kind of wanted to, to pick your brain about, too, was 
like, um, okay, so let's say, you know, oh man, I'm super passionate about, uh, making wood things. And you know what? Like, I'm miserable at my job. It's paying the bills, but like, I hate going to work. And I have this passion. Like, I've always been passionate about wood and building. I started doing it on the side, and now it's like, what if I just, like, stopped working for these other people and doing this other thing, and I just went full on and did my passion? Like, I'd have so much more time to put into it that I'm most likely going to make a better yield than just me doing it on the side. But, like, the fear of, like, because, you know, in that moment, it's like, well, what's the worst that could happen? Like, you lose your car, you have to downgrade your house, maybe your credit gets a little shitty. Like, I mean, what's the worst that could happen? You know, you're not going to die. You're not going to, like, be homeless, probably. Like, <laughs> you're going to have to make it work. You're going to have to make things work. But there's this thing of the safety of doing what we're already doing because we know if I go to work I get paid X amount an hour or I'm salary or whatever the case is but I know every week or every two weeks or once a month or however you get paid I know that money's going to be there sure. versus if I jump out and I do this and I follow my passion and I work the thing I don't know the outcome so in that is some fear right because we don't like we're comfortable definitely way more comfortable with well i know if i work this shitty job i hate i at least can afford the things that make me happy when i'm not here and again i don't know where i'm going with this i just i think it's interesting the whole like what is there to really fear because growing up like as a kid i was always the one who's like you know well if i don't jump in the pool i'll never learn how to swim But the fear of me jumping in and what would happen, like, would I drown? Am I going to suck air through my nose? Like, am I going to hit the bottom and, like, pop a kneecap? And then, like, you know, what's I just, I'm scared because I've never done it. I don't know what to expect. And then you jump in the pool and you figure out, like, hey, this is awesome. And now I can swim like a fish and I enjoy swimming. And I never would have been able to, like, my aunt, I have an aunt. She taught me how to swim, but she herself never learned how to swim. (laughs) Crazy, right? There's a lot of people (laughs) like that, yeah. But, like, you have... We don't have to, but if you take that leap, or if you decide to do this, or if you decide to do that, or not to do that, or whatever the case is, like, that fear... Like, I don't know. What do you think about that? And I'm not, listen, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to say like, quit your job and go do what makes you happy. Like be, be a reasonable adult and like, you know, make your own fucking choices. I'm just like exploring the thought of like, isn't it crazy that we have this life on this earth and we have certain things that are put in us that we enjoy, we're good at, and we have a passions for, and then we like we work for other people or doing other things and we're miserable, but we devote so much of our life to it so that we can have Doritos in the fridge and beer and 
cars and Bluetooth this and Wi-Fi lights and I can watch Netflix until I fucking fall asleep and then it's like, are you still watching? And then I just click yes and it keeps playing. <laughs> like sure. all of that. Sure. Does it outweigh the fear of like, you know what? I work 40 hours a week and I fucking hate it. I'm going to work 100 hours a week for myself and I'm going to love it. And I'm going to have to make it happen. Like, I'm going to have to make it work because life is going to continue to go forward. It's not a choice. That's why I prefaced it with, unless you kill yourself. And I'm not making light of that. That's a horrible thing. And I'm not making fun of it, but I'm just saying very literal, like, that is the fact. You either end your fucking life or life continues to go on and you have to figure it out. You know what I mean? Sure. Well, so I, I guess to go back to the beginning of this this portion, the first thing that comes to mind for me is that success has one major enemy, and that's comfort. And yeah. you were alluding to it in what you were saying. Well, yeah, because, um, I mean, I'm sure we've all heard, you know, super successful people like, how'd you get where you were? They took risks. Well... I was sitting in a job that I hated working for someone I didn't like. And I said, you know what? I'm going to try this because it's what I'm passionate about. So I fucking burned the motherfucking fleet and there was no going back. I had to make it happen. And then yeah. they made it happen. Right. You know? So the thing is, it's does like, that do you have apply? the boss to do that? Yeah. Well, yeah. And does it apply to everyone? Because I'm sure there's also other stories out there where they burn their fleet and now they have nothing. And sure. they're living off welfare, like the right way to live off welfare, not just having babies and buying drugs and, you know, whatever. <laughs> they're actually using government assistance the way that it's intended to be. Sure. So, you know, I, but well, I don't know. Like, life doesn't stop. That's what I'm stuck on right now is like, no, it you doesn't. have to, it forces you to keep going. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's almost like, and this is kind of, again, what I prefaced it with. It's almost like, you know what? Like, everything will be okay. Yeah. You might go through some rough times. You might go through some awesome times. But, sure. like, you're going to eat. You're going to find ways to do shit and survive and live. And, like, we're so comfortable just being miserable. And it's weird if you really think about it, you know? It is, but it's the way that we've been all brought up to do, right? I mean, you grow up and you're in primary school, secondary school. You go through the ranks, K through 8 through 12. And then what do they force down your throat? They force you to go to college because success is defined by going to school, landing that great job, working for 30 years, you know, and getting a good pension. And then retiring comfortably in Florida. I mean, that's <laughs> what is sold. Where America goes to die. <laughs> Where America goes to die, indeed. Um, but when you listen to people that are actually successful that actually came from nothing, they all say the same thing. The reason why most people are not successful, number one, is because they're too comfortable. Number two is because they're not willing to put in the work that's required in order for them to be successful in the thing that they love. And so um, it, it, it boils down to those two things, as far as I'm concerned. 
and and I'm with you, bro. I have been dealing with that same thought process for many years now. And um and I'm constantly thinking like what can I do in order to get away from Tata Motors? What do I have to do? What can I do? What can I do? Their motors are the tits. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know, I I always lean towards going back to something where I use my voice, you know, and I put in the efforts to do that and I get so far and you know, I've not made enough money doing it to to even declare myself a voiceover artist. But that's my point right there is if you quit Tata Motors tomorrow. Yep. You went in, you wrote a letter, you made a phone call and you said, "Thank you guys so much." I'm quitting right now. And then you go balls fucking hard into voiceover whatever. Like you would have, you would work so much harder because you had to. And then you would make it happen. Yes. And I'm not saying you would make the same amount you work, that you're making at Tata Motors like tomorrow. But one day, probably, maybe even more. Or maybe in two weeks you'd be there. I don't know. But, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's kind of like, I don't know. I don't know why I'm stuck on it. It just seems so crazy to me. Dude, I'm stuck on it, too. But And we all I, have that choice, and most of us don't make it ever because it's easier just to go into Tata Motors tomorrow and get my check. Ain't no Plus, I mean, it, brother. even, you know, you don't have to hate where you work, but maybe it's just not you know yeah it's like oh I, yeah i like my job but i mean i would much rather be doing marketing because i love marketing like whatever the case is and honestly sure. the job thing is just like a for instance i mean let's take it to another thing of like man i've always wanted to try yoga but i'm scared because i might hurt myself that's probably a bad one but like i feel no, like actually just a one the fear in general of trying new things or like pursuing passions it's kind of like well yeah i'd really like to get into podcasting but it's going to cost me probably two to three hundred bucks to get it started and i just don't know if it's worth it you know like i don't know well the fear of that not spending two or three hundred dollars to do something that you're super into just fucking do it, man. It's gonna work out somehow, right? Like, somehow, why are we so we afraid that. of things like that? You know? Sure. Yeah. And listen, I'm guilty of this too. So. Me too. <laughs> me too. Hashtag me too. Seriously. I um. I'm with you. You know, for the for everything that I love about sitting behind this microphone, it's literally being fulfilled in this podcast minus the income yeah the fact is is that you know for me honestly i don't care if we ever make a dime on this podcast with sponsors or whatever i don't really care i'm enjoying sitting behind this microphone talking to you and I'm, I'm enjoying putting out content that people are listening to and growing an audience and influencing the way people think and the way people act like this is this is something that i'm enjoying now 
to figure out how to monetize it is a whole nother discussion. Um, but if we never monetize it at all, it's I obviously still never going to get there. Well, I, I still feel a significant level of accomplishment and, and being where we are right now. And the further we go, the more that feeling increases. You know what I'm saying? So I've got a feeling <laughs> this podcast but, is going to make some money. Well, my passion, my passion outside <laughs> <So dumb>. of <laughs> shut up, my passion outside of um, mechanical things and building things, you know, is using my voice and, and I'm doing that. My passion has never been making money. My passion has been using my voice, and that's what we're doing. That's what you're doing. That's what I'm doing. We're using our voice. Um, a, a secondary passion for me is woodworking. Like I love playing with wood. Hey, oh, yeah. <laughs> I love Smelling building stuff. I, I don't ever consider myself to be a creative person, but blows when in your I'm, face <laughs> when i'm cutting wood and i got wood slapping me in the face and i you guess squint because you don't want it to get in your eyes <laughs> i mean i'm obviously being funny You're gay stupid. but also i enjoy that too man seriously when the Little bits are flying, and you smell the wood because you're cutting it. It's just like that raw wood, like fresh smell. Yeah, man, I get it. Yeah, it's 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 so enjoyable to me. It's so fulfilling to me to be out in my wood shop creating something. That's when the creative side of me comes alive. Is when I'm cutting wood and drilling stuff in it, it i have a sense of pride because it's something that i'm creating um you know so i i guess the point that i'm getting to is that i think it's every individual's responsibility to discover what it is that gives them some level of fulfillment now the, the measurement of fulfillment is your own right you you define your own measurement of fulfillment there are people that um, I, I was I was listening to the radio today, and this um, this this organization that I follow I've followed for years. I've donated to them for many years. Um, called Grace Centers of Hope. This guy Lauren Co- um, no, what is his name? I can't even remember his name. This, this old white guy, super old now at this point. I don't even know if he's still alive to be honest with you, but I know his vision is still going. Um, he's in Pontiac, Michigan, out there where the Lions used to play, Pontiac Silverdome. He's out there in Pontiac. And, um, and the Pistons. And the Pistons, that's right. And um, the Red Wings. And the Red Wings, yeah, you're right. <laughs> All the Detroit teams. Everybody except for the Tigers. Um, uh, he has his organization out there where he's really passionate about the homeless. And for years, he, you know, Grace Centers of Hope, what he did was he just through donations for people, um, he has really transformed his community. 
and he's helped a lot of homeless people with transitional housing and uh you know they'll pick up homeless people and give them showers and haircuts and give them suits and and stuff like that and put them on job interviews he would employ them uh he started off with a, a few secondhand shops um where he, he bought some buildings and people would donate just stuff right and they would sell it and he would have homeless people working there at the stores you know um selling the donations and he would take half of the money that he got from the donations because you still need some money to actually run the building and stuff he would take half the money to do the ministry side of business you know uh, eventually they started this grace grace uh grace centered village or something like that they called it um where they started off with just uh daycare for mothers right so mothers that were coming off of drugs and homeless they would house them they would they opened up daycare center so that the mothers would be able to go to work and know that their kids were safe and um and blah 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 you know his whole passion all of his fulfillment it is not a rich you know business to have a a charitable organization right uh, it could be if you're greedy i think um michigan law is that um in order to be a charitable organization you have to donate at least 30 percent of the proceeds for your charity and i think what they do is actually donate 70 percent, something like that they flipped it anyway my, my point is is that you have to define what is fulfilling you have to decide what is uh success to you um anyway on the radio today what i was listening to they said that um they spotlighted great centers of hope because they just renovated their 51st home and donated it to a family in pontiac and so this whole neighborhood is being completely revitalized with former homeless people that have worked their way through the organization yeah. and um, and they've been awarded homes because they've gone through the they've gone through the organization they've stayed clean off of drugs they've stayed off the streets and their reward is a fully renovated home here you go this is now yours here's the key it's completely paid for completely brand new on the inside it's fucking awesome it is awesome it's it's what the church should be and what the church should be doing um so uh, you know every person has to decide what is success for them sure you know if it's money then you can make money doing anything you know you can you know Go start a food truck. Go, you know, work three, four jobs, and you'll have money, right? If that's success to you, then that's success. Yeah. But, um, well, I think it, that's it, it part of the reason why I like thinking about stuff like this and kind of having my own, I don't know, thought experience or experiment or something. Because I don't know where I land with this stuff either. You know, I'm not coming on here and saying, like, this is what I think we should do, you know. I'm just exploring, and uh, 
I, I just wonder if we're so we're so used to being comfortable that like that's what our life has become about. It's making enough money so that we can just be more comfortable. Sure. But like, is that really comfort? Because you know, one, and this, I kind of do this a lot, but like, if you think about history and the span of humanity as a whole, right? So thousands of years, like we didn't used to have the stuff we had. So how are people happy and content and fulfilled? It wasn't because they could make 70 to $200,000 a year so that they could buy stuff on Amazon every week and you know, have the newest vehicle and the shiniest watch and the newest iPhone, as weird as it is. And like, you know what I mean? I don't know. It's just kind of like, man, are we like, I don't know, like pussies. (laughs) (laughs) We just don't get it anymore. You know, like what's happened to like working and then finding fulfillment in the job you did anymore it's just yeah i do this shitty thing to make these other people money because they'll pay me and then when i get out of work i can buy stuff and go out buy you know go do this or do that I, I don't know you know and listen i know we don't have to live again you need to understand like i'm just exploring thoughts here but isn't it kind of crazy to think about you know because yeah. it almost forces you to analyze, like, what do I hold value to? You know? In my life, in my relationship with my spouse, in my household, in my community even. Like, what are what's important? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, you're right. If So if comfort is the enemy of success, then you have to actually... Um, discover what it is that you are truly passionate about and decide is it worth it is it worth pursuing is it worth doing dude you know you used to live here the eastern eastern market is hard i gotta work (laughs) you remember the eastern market dude it is full of people (laughs) all right the eastern market is full of people eastern market is full of people that are chasing their dreams they're selling oils they're selling belts well so for people who might not know what the eastern market is it's basically like any other uh what do you call that flea market yes but outdoor mall if it's Detroit version, and it's fucking dope. It's all people who are entrepreneurs who are chasing their dreams, chasing their passions, doing the things that they're passionate about, and um, trying to share it with other people. And mix that with semi-local farmers. It's also a farmer's market. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> So, I mean, we go down there, dude. We've gotten plenty of flowers and stuff like that, and we go and get six-pound bags of spinach because we love spinach. I eat me spinach. <laughs> and uh, 
I'm strong to the finish cause I eat me spinach. I'm popped by the sailor man. Michael's first tattoo. Toot toot. Um, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not getting a tat. <laughs> uh, um, but, you know, it, it, there's so much down there and you see the passion of people, farmers, people out there that just make their own beef jerky. And so they have a little stand set up just selling jerky. You get people that just love to fish and they're just down there representing their <sighs> fish market, if you will. Um, and they set it up there and they just they throw out a bunch of ice and put a bunch of fish on the ice and say, here you go. And when they sell out, they sell out. You got Amish people that are there that make awesome bomb ass um, pastries and stuff <laughs> and they're just banging them out dude cookies and brownies and cupcakes and whatever and then yes all the farmers so Michigan has a lot of farms believe it or not and, um, and they just bang it out down there in Eastern Market so uh, but more than that you got people that are they make their own clothes and so they set up there and they're they're doing their clothes. And you have people that design T-shirts and they've got different stuff like that, logos or whatever. You know, if you have something that you're passionate about, you got to pursue it in whatever way that you can. You know, they have to pay money to be down there. They pay for the little few square feet that they have in order to set up, you know, their booth so that they can sell their stuff. And um, and it's an awesome thing, and it's very encouraging. And I, I, I swear, if, if there's something that you're passionate about and it's something that you're, you've determined is worth pursuing um, because it makes you happy, it gives you a sense of fulfillment, I'd encourage you to find a place that you can go out and you can do it. You know, you can express yourself creatively or your business mind or, or whatever take the take the risk because it really is worth it if nothing else you'll never know if you're truly passionate about the thing that you think you're passionate about if you don't actually go out there and pursue it and do something try well, it. see if i can wrap up my thought process here i over the years have had to force myself to take the chance because I've had a lot of great people in my life, close friends and even family who didn't even agree with what I was doing sometimes, but they were like, you know, if this is like, you have to ask yourself one question. I heard this several times. If you are going to regret doing this later in life, then it might be and probably is worth the risk of trying it now. Yeah, as early as possible. Dude, like, that's the reason I'm married, just to be honest. And that's kind of a longer story than we're going to get into on this one. But, like, for sure, man, like taking a chance and just fucking going with it because I, you know, I, there was an opportunity given to me and, you know, I well not given to me, but presented to me. And it was a risk because I had, had a life set up, bro. I could be making 
six digits right now. Like, making good money, hating life. <laughs> sure. And, you know, I had to weigh the stuff, and then I was like, I'm going to regret not, not not trying this. Like, I got I have to do this. I'm going, you know? And anyway, that's probably... No yeah. one understands what I'm saying right now, and that's fine, because the point is, you know, sometimes I think you just have to ask yourself, will I regret not doing this down the line like on your deathbed you know and that's kind of a weird thing to ask yourself but you know i i feel like it kind of helps get some clarity you know and if you can say yeah i wholeheartedly will regret not trying this then burn the motherfucking fleet and do it man like i really think things are gonna work out no matter what you can always go get another job. Like you can always, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, and even if you wanted to play it safe, you can do like what we're doing. Right. I mean, have jobs, but still pursue your passion on the side until it takes off. And it yeah. may be years before it takes off, before you really start making money. And it may be even longer before, you're able to replace the income that you have with your job. Or we may but never it, make a cent from this. Or, or you may never make a cent, but at least you did it. At least you tried. At least you put in an effort. At least you made yourself a little bit uncomfortable and put yourself out there. You know, it, it's, it's better than sitting at home doing nothing watching netflix all day and being a snatch you know put some balls to to your to your thought process and give it a try which is why i appreciate you and brooklyn doing you know the photography and the videography stuff i think it's awesome like the the picture that she put on facebook the other day of Hans, like, just, like, laying by the door, sleeping. Like, I was serious. I, I mean, I was halfway playing as well. I said, oh, my God, it is such a good picture. You should consider doing photography. <laughs> <laughs> because it was such a good picture. It was so well done. And, and it it communicated so much. Just that one picture communicated so much yeah. about you guys' skill level about you guys' passion, but also it told a story of your home life, about how much love is there and and how much joy this dog has brought to your to your marriage and your family. Like it it it, it tells photography and videography, it tells a story. Like you, you may never even think of it this way, but through your skill set that you have, you have one of the oldest professions there is known to man. And it's not pictures, it's storytelling. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And there, Dude, there's. Dude, I do, because that's why I'm. That's why photography and then videography just hooked me so hard because i love hearing stories like dude i've lived 
I don't even remember the number. I've lived in a lot of states. Okay, I moved a lot. I've heard a lot of people talk. I've always had to start over. You know what I mean? And hearing so many different stories from so many different walks of life and so many, like, cultures and subcultures, even in our the great U.S. that we have here, like, we're kind of a melting pot, I think, and it's really kind of cool if you get to move around because you meet so many ethnicities and cultures and beliefs. and Dude, just hearing stories, like, it's always caught my attention. I, I always want to listen to a good story, you know? Yeah, no matter and what it's about. The whole cheesy bullshit about, like, a picture tells a thousand words, you know, like, but it's true, man. Like, Brooke yeah. took that picture not even knowing that you would have that interpretation of, like, that image. Right. Like, how cool is that? And then, like, videography. Okay, let's roll with the stupid, like, cheesy, a picture's worth a thousand words. How much more is a video worth? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like, that's why we made our tagline, and this is a little plug for brookelizabeth.photo if you want to check us out, but, like, our whole thing is we capture the moments that tell your story. Like, that is our whole thing right there. So, yes, I totally understand you. Yeah. So, I mean, now put that that same philosophy on firefighting. It may not make... A whole lot of money but there's people out there that are passionate about it yep. and they think about it in the same way like fire is so destructive but yet it's so necessary to, beautiful for for rebirth right but the passion part of it is that the firefighter takes part in both spectrums of life I mean, you, you could, it just, it can get so, it's, it's so personal. Success yep. is so personal. It takes an individual to be able to be introspective enough to, uh, to discover what it is that's going to make them tick. What's going to help them get out of bed excited in the morning. You know, I'm excited every single time I get to sit behind this microphone. Because it's such a passion for me. I love it so much. I love being able to record. I love being able to edit. I love putting the music together and, and you know, the ability to put my voice over some random tune. To me, there's nothing more satisfying than that. That's something that I can listen to over and over again and be proud of. I can't tell you how many times I've listened to my own fucking demo. <laughs> just because I was just because I was excited that I actually did it. Yeah. And that it's me behind that microphone. It's me behind that voice. It's me behind those products. That's exciting to me. Um you have to find out what's exciting to you and then just go for it. You'll be way better off and a better contributor to society and to your to your tribe by you following the thing that you're excited about fear sure. or not you know i mean yeah it's it's scary but you know what <laughs> a lot of things are scary having a having a kid is scary oof and he just spit up <laughs> having a kid is scary what's up little max 
I know you can't hear me, and even if you could, you can't talk, but. <laughs> <laughs> you give me a little fart, and I'll laugh. Well, he definitely farted about a half hour ago, but you were in the middle of a rant, so I didn't. I didn't say <laughs> Max farted. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, getting married is scary, right? Starting a new job is scary. Retiring is scary. But it's all things that majority of people are going to end up doing. So just add one more thing to the list of what's scary. I, I tell you what. So so G used to work for Goldman Sachs. A small business blah, blah, blah thing, right? She met a lot of business owners. And... One thing that was consistent amongst all those different people that, you know, found fulfillment in what they were doing is that they took a huge risk. And one of her closest friends out of that program that she managed was this company called Eight Degrees Plato. You remember that? I do. Eight Degrees Plato by Bridget Bobian, Bridget and Tim Bobian. They love Detroit. They lived in Detroit for years. When Detroit was, before Detroit was being gentrified, they had a house down there in Detroit. Okay. They, they love the city. They love being in the city, but they were school teachers. I think they were school teachers or, or at least one of them was a school teacher. And I can't remember. Uh, Bridget was a school teacher. I don't remember what Tim did, but they're getting older and they were unhappy and they both were beer snobs. Is what they loved. They loved <laughs> beer. They didn't necessarily want to make beer, but they loved drinking it. Right. And so it was always a dream of theirs to open up a bar or a shop, you know, where they can sell beer and have this community of beer enthusiasts. So they decided that they were going to retire early. And they took all the money from their retirement accounts. And they bought this building and they started Eight Degrees Plato. And they're loving it. They're loving life and their success because they're a huge beer snobby, snobby beer. Um, what do you call those people? Um, hippie dippy folks come down there. Hipsters. Get, uh, hipsters. There you go. It, it's a huge hipster hangout. A bunch of people, professionals coming from the downtown area. They all go there for happy hour. They have a, a mug club that they've got going on. They've got some of the rarest, most exciting beers there. I love going down there. I spend $100 every time I'm there. Just buying weird beers that I've never even heard of <laughs> that they yeah. get in all the time. And they're so generous. They're so helpful. They're so kind. And they know their stuff. They train all their employees on beer. They All the employees drink the beer that are on tap so they can tell you all about it. It's such a fun thing. They took a huge risk. They emptied out their retirement just to be able to open this place of their dreams. And now they've got two locations. Oh, I didn't know that. <clears throat> yeah. So the first location was actually in Ferndale, um, which is... Are, uh, in Michigan, it's the first city with an openly gay mayor. So uh, it's an awesome city. Like it, it is 
Ferndale is fabulous. Let me just say that. Um, so that's where they opened the first store. The second store was in Detroit. Um, and then I didn't know that. I thought the first store was in Detroit. Nope, first store was in Ferndale. So, because um, Ferndale was a hot spot before Detroit was, right? Ferndale totally blew up years before Detroit started coming back. So they opened up in Ferndale first and made a shit ton of money, opened up the Detroit store because they always wanted to have a store in Detroit. So they opened it there. And then last year, I believe it was, Bridget actually had a second passion. Beer was number one, but her second passion, or actually probably beer was number two. Um, her first passion, her primary passion was antiques and like old school type of furniture and just stuff to decorate your house with that's all you know kind of like old stuff accent stuff that you would put in your house like like we have this old tea kettle in our house it's not old it's new but it looks really really old like shit like that she would put in her store and so last year she decided that she was going to take a risk and pursue her major passion passion of opening a type of antique store and she did it and jenna went down there to help her out help her organize the store and help her out for her opening day and she's doing great because she decided to follow her passion like there's and she's got jenna's got maybe we could have a podcast with jenna about this where she just nerds out about small business because it's what she does for a living yeah you know and i think it'd be and cool. just what it what it takes to to um to break out of your comfort zone and just start doing something you know so i don't know hopefully this conversation was encouraging to some people <laughs> i don't know i guess we'll find out yeah i enjoy you know it's one thing to think about it in your own head and converse with yourself but it's another to converse with someone you know someone else and i mean i've enjoyed it for sure what do you say max i think max likes it <laughs> can you see him yeah <laughs> his head almost hit the microphone but yeah, i saw that i got him how old is he now what are we on day six he was born on the 16th, and this is today is the 26th of this recording, so he's 10 days oh, old. Oh, wow. Man, it's gone by quick. Yeah, has it? <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah, for you. It's been a long, it's been a lot, it's been 10 sleepless nights. Or just like, it's been 10 nights of napping is what it's been couple hours here a couple hours there i'm surprised i'm able to do this podcast dude my brain is so foggy right now <laughs> we did good bro that's you know the worst part of it is that i know that i'm a lot smarter than the way that i've been acting for the last week because i don't know it's just it's been hard to formulate sentences bro 
that's how bad it's been it's like i'm trying to say something i know what i want to say i can't say it and then i just say fuck it i'm gonna go outside and have a cigar it's just my brain <laughs> so is I'm just a ding dong black hole thinks not <laughs> <laughs> it's been rough but he's worth it he's so freaking awesome and adorable for sure and um and if he's half as loving as Micah, then we've done something right. Because you know how, how lovey-dovey Micah is, dude. He'd give you a hug, and he'll hold on to you for for a half hour. Yep. Micah is such a sweet kid. And um, I've got some cool pictures with him holding Max. And he's just holding on to him. It's like, you want me to take him, buddy? No, I'm good. I'm good. And he's just sitting there staring at him. Max. Max. <laughs> it's your big brother you know so that's cool man got some sweet boys can't wait to see it in action yeah yeah so as long as you don't change the weekend he'll be here Micah will be here and we'll just either no we're not changing the weekend we got uh, time off and yeah. move okay. some stuff around so we're set We'll pull up the uh, blow up the air mattress and or just put him in bed with us, you know, whatever. Put Mike in bed with us, and uh, and then because uh, you know sometimes in the middle of the night he'll wake up and say, "Daddy, like what? Like can I <laughs> can I come lay with you? <laughs> All right, buddy, come on." And then I end up sleeping in the middle between Mike and Jenna. It's good times, bro. Trust me, it's good times. Sounds like it. Oh, God. So so the worst part of it is when that happens. We've got a two-sided bed. Uh, so it's a king-size bed. Um, but her side is medium and my side is hard because that's the way that we wanted it. We didn't want soft. She wanted medium. Medium was still uncomfortable for me, for my fat ass. So I needed a harder mattress. So it was half and half. So when Micah jumps in bed, I get forced in the middle between medium and hard. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's not it's not the best sleep. And then I've got both Jenna and Micah elbowing me because I start snoring. It's like, well, what do you expect, homie? Uh. So yeah, good times. Had by all. Indeed. I'm gonna go have a good time peeing. All right, yeah. So I'm gonna let you go. Put a bow on it, and uh, we see you next time. Hey, so um, call to action. If you like the content, you like listening to us before Sean goes pee, um, give us a like and a share. Share us with your friends. Give us a five-star rating on uh, iTunes if that's where you're listening or wherever you're listening. Give us a high rating and and uh, join the conversation. Let us know what you think. Yeah. You know, if you've got if you got some success stories and you want to share with us, um, by all means, we'd love to listen. Also, hit us up on Instagram or Twitter, uh, wherever you want to. 
and I would love to keep the conversation going. Faux show. Sweet. All right, we love you a long time. Peace. So long.